here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Boy, we have a packed show today. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. This issue of birthright citizenship, those of you who've been longtime listeners, you know we discussed it at length, I think it was in 2009, 2010, 2015, and we'll hit it again today. Just so the facts are on the table, a lot of people are using things that I wrote and said many years ago, so why don't I just do it? But before I get to that and the other matters that are on the table relating to the uh, mass murder in Pittsburgh and the media reaction and um, some of the attacks on our president, and quite frankly, a very vile, bigoted attack on me by Steve Schmidt at MSNBC... Uh, I am honored, in lieu of my father, uh, who passed uh, 15 days ago, to mention that his new book, Our Police, has been released today. Today's the official release date. Um, And um, he was very excited about the book. He was very excited about its release. Unfortunately, never got to see it, but here we are, right? And it's published by Aladdin Books, and it's called Our Police. And as I told you, um, well, I'll tell you what he wrote. He wrote, this book was created for young people with the hope that it will help them look upon the police as friends, guardians, and protectors who work hard and tirelessly to keep our world safe and secure. And as with all his books, he asked me to write a little preface to them. And uh, here's what it says. Growing up as a young child and then teenager on the tough streets of Philadelphia in the 20s and 30s, my father Jack gained a fond appreciation for the role of the police. My parents taught us from a young age to respect the police and their difficult job. In fact, two of my uncles served in the Philadelphia Police Department. Uncle Willie was a motorcycle officer and Uncle Jack was a traffic officer. My father is a deeply patriotic man with a great deal of common sense. He understands that in all walks of life and in every profession, man's imperfections present themselves. But having witnessed recent events and related news reports painting police officers and police departments in an extremely negative light, he felt a book especially geared to our young people was essential so that they learned to respect law and order. If you could imagine an America without law and order, it would be a place where people would be free to create all kinds of trouble endangering our lives, families, businesses, and lifestyles. In other words, America would cease being the America we know and love, a civil society where the life, liberty, and happiness of the individual are cherished and protected. And I might add right now, let us all keep in mind those brave police officers who rushed into the synagogue while that mass-murdering subhuman cockroach was slaughtering parishioners. Let us remember brave law enforcement, local, state, and federal, who tracked down uh, the, uh, the, the, the lowlife who sent uh, pipe bombs to, uh, to Democrats and so forth. That's our police. 
I went on, while our government is established with various institutions that have as their purpose the preservation of our unalienable rights, is left to law enforcement, particularly our community and neighborhood police officers, to ensure that our lives, property, and everyday activities are safeguarded. Police officers are also on the front lines as the first responders when the public's threatened by acts of nature, such as earthquakes or hurricanes, by acts of man that endanger the public safety. In certain instances, our police officers serve as neutral protectors of our rights as citizens, such as guaranteeing the safety of peaceful protesters who may march down a public street chanting slogans we might find offensive. For these reasons, police officers are often referred to as peace officers. My father is now 93 years old. He's authored and illustrated several wonderful children's books. In each book, he seeks to open the eyes and minds of young people to the greatness of American history, principles, and values. He wants the next generation to be as proud of America as his generation. In his brand new book, Our Police, my father has written and illustrated another beautiful book. From my family to yours, we hope you enjoy it. So... This obviously is his final book, and I, I think particularly the Levin audience out there, more than any other audience, if you have children or grandchildren, I think they'll enjoy it very much. You sit down and show them the pictures and, and read it to them at, uh, at bedtime and so forth. It's a good way to counter what goes on on TV, unfortunately, in a lot of our public schools. It's not a propaganda piece. It's just old-fashioned, positive views about our country, which is the way my dad was, and that's what he taught us. So you can get it at Amazon.com. I think it's 30% off. I think it's 13 or 14 bucks. You can get it at Amazon.com. I'm not pushing this for money. We don't need the money. I'm pushing it because I know he would want me to get the word out there, and that's exactly what I'm doing. Um, let's talk about birthright citizenship, then we'll get in all the rest of it. Paul Ryan said something today that I thought was quite interesting, being the constitutional scholar that he is, and here's what he said about birthright citizenship and the president. By the way, the president didn't bring it up. I heard one of the miscreants on, on cable say, the president brings this stuff up to divide the nation. First of all, he was asked about it. He didn't bring it up. Secondly, it's not about dividing the nation. It's about upholding the Constitution, okay? Nobody really knows how birthright citizenship was instituted. We've investigated this. It started in the 60s. Bureaucratically, the old INS started to interpret it that way, as the bureaucracy does this all the time. There's been no law passed that conveys birthright citizenship onto illegal aliens, There's been no Supreme Court decision that definitively confers birthright citizenship onto illegal alien children. Nobody's 100% certain how this came to be. But everybody seems to be 100% certain that the president can't fix it. So the executive branch unilaterally somehow somewhere in the bureaucracy decided to interpret this as it's being interpreted today Nobody knows exactly who, exactly what office, but there it is. 
And so when the president is asked about it and says, how did you find out about this? Yeah, we're working on an executive. No, you can't change the Constitution by executive order. Well, does the Constitution confer birthright citizenship on the children of illegal aliens? Of course it doesn't, which I'll explain in a minute. But here's the current Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, who was silent for months, but now he feels compelled to speak out. Go ahead. Well, you obviously cannot do that. Uh, you cannot end birthright citizenship with an executive order. We didn't like it when Obama tried changing immigration laws via executive action. And obviously, as conservatives, um, you know, we believe in, in, in the Constitution. You know, as a conservative, I'm a believer in following the plain text of the Constitution. And I think in this case, the 14th Amendment's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would involve a very, very lengthy constitutional process. The ignorance on this subject, like so many others, is unbelievable. This is the Speaker of the House, who cares not one whit about the history of the 14th Amendment. Not one whit. You have so-called experts, constitutional experts, professors, former trial judges in New Jersey, who say the same exact thing. Ignorant beyond belief. Illiterate when they come to the 14th Amendment. So I decided, let's play a little piece that I did in 2015. Over three years ago. We can go back further, but that's long enough. To provide a basic foundational understanding of what those who wrote the 14th Amendment and ratified the 14th Amendment actually meant. Let's go to cut 18. Go. And yet nobody did a better job at explaining this than Professor Edward Erler, who I've talked about over the years. And he's a professor at California State University. He was also at the uh, Claremont Institute, senior fellow there. But more than that, he happens to be right. And he testified uh, before a subcommittee of Congress many years ago, almost 20 years ago. And he set forth the case. Now, he's not the only one. Professor Thomas West has. Uh, Lino Gralia has, professor at the University of Texas Law School. But even more than them, the framers of the Constitution... Uh, set forth that is the, the framers law. of the 14th amendment go ahead we have after the civil war three amendments to the constitution the 13th 14th and 15th called the civil war amendments and we know pretty much what occurred professor Eller was testifying he said it's my considered opinion congress has the authority under section five of the fourth amendment to define the jurisdiction of the united states of the 14th amendment of course Indeed, it is my contention that Congress has exercised that power on many occasions, most recently in Immigration Reform and Control Act of 1986. And I would say they also exercised it with the Illegal Immigration Reform and Immigrant Responsibility Act of 1996. He points out, Senator Jacob Howard, you are now going to know more than anybody else, ladies and gentlemen. You know, one of the things I find when I sign books, and it's good to do it because I get to talk to so many of you, people say, Mark, your show is different because you really get into the substance. Now, we have fun. Don't get me wrong. We do our thing, too. But we do really get into the substance. It's one thing to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, the Constitution doesn't provide that. That's not enough. That's not enough. So when you're in a debate format or a political format or a classroom format or this format, you need to back it up. And that's what we do here. We back it up. Senator Jacob Howard, the author 
of the Citizenship Clause in the 14th Amendment. He spoke. He told us what he meant. He defined who would fall within the, quote, jurisdiction of the United States, unquote. Ready? Quote, every person born within the limits of the United States and subject to their jurisdiction, meaning the states, their jurisdiction, is by virtue of natural law and national law a citizen of the United States. This will not, of course, include persons born in the United States who are foreigners, aliens, who belong to the families of ambassadors or foreign ministers accredited to the government of the United States, but will include every other class of persons. It settles the great question of citizenship and removes all doubt as to what persons are or are not citizens of the United States. This has long been a great issue in the jurisprudence and legislation of this country. Mr. Call Screener, Mr. Producer, you understand that, right? Is it not plain English? Is he not as clear as can be that it does not include aliens, it does not include foreigners, it does not include families or with ambassadors or foreign ministers? So the author of Citizenship Clause intended to count foreigners, aliens, and those born to ambassadors, foreign ministers as outside the jurisdiction of the United States. That's Senator Jacob Howard. He knew, as his reference to natural law indicates, that the Republican basis, little r, Republican basis for citizenship is consent. Consent of the country. You can't self-immigrate. You can't claim jurisdiction because you happen to walk into the United States. Senator Lyman Trumbull, chairman of the Judiciary Committee and a powerful supporter of the 14th Amendment, remarked on May 30th, 1866, that the jurisdiction clause includes those, quote, not owing allegiance to anybody else. It's only those persons, I'm quoting, who come completely within our jurisdiction, who are subject to our laws, that we think of making citizens. And there can be no objection to the proposition that such persons should be citizens. Now, this was familiar language. The Civil Rights Act of 1866 defined citizens of the United States as, quote, all persons born in the United States and not subject to any foreign power, excluding Indians not taxed, unquote. Not subject to any foreign power. It is universally agreed that the immediate impulse for the passage of the 14th Amendment was to constitutionalize, constitutionalize the Civil Rights Act of 1866. It was an attempt to put the question of citizenship and matters of federal civil rights beyond the reach of simple congressional majorities. Thus, it is clear the idea of allegiance, not subject to any foreign power, quote-unquote, was central to understanding the jurisdiction clause of the 14th Amendment. Now, I'm back live. What is the bottom line here? What's num nub of this? They wanted to make certain that former slaves would be treated as citizens of the United States. Because certain states were still resisting. They wanted to make sure that former slaves would be citizens of the United States. They exempted Indians because Indians still, certainly back then, were often considered citizens of particular tribes. But these actually were very forward-looking individuals. 
they specifically excluded aliens and foreigners. Now, more on this when I return. Mark Lovin. So Congress in 1870 begins extending uh, offers of citizenship to Indian tribes, uh, most of which agree. So you're a citizen of a tribe and a citizen of the United States. There's a Supreme Court opinion in 1898, United States versus Wong Kim Ark. We've talked about this. I've written about it. And that declared the 14th Amendment adopted the common law definition of birthright citizenship. Um. But the decision conferred birthright citizenship on a child of legal residence of the United States. Now, the majority is broad enough to include children born illegally in the United States as well as legal immigrants. But that's not what the court decided. It wasn't even presented to the court. And so, of course, you have individuals who are trying to read it into it. The court has never decided that a legal alien... That is, the children of illegal aliens are automatically citizens of the United States. Think of the absurdity of it. Those who passed the amendment specifically rejected the idea. We know who it applied to, the freed slaves. And we know that in the 1960s, at some point, the interpretation changed for the executive branch. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. Mark LEVIN, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. So, in the 1960s, 1970s, somehow, somewhere, the bureaucracy began not even interpreting the Constitution, just conveying citizenship on the children of illegal aliens. There's absolutely no historical basis for this. There's no constitutional basis for this. There's no statutory basis for this. My buddy Andy McCarthy wrote a brilliant piece at National Review, as he's wont to do, and he said, well, the 14th Amendment has been codified. It was in 1952, I think he said. Well, that doesn't really, in my humble opinion, address the issue. Codifying the Constitution as a way of describing an aspect of a statute is really pretty a pretty frequent practice. It doesn't really lend anything to the interpretation, but we know what the authors 
of the 14th Amendment meant because they told us. We have no real Supreme Court decision uh, conveying uh, citizenship on the children of illegal aliens. And then we have Paul Ryan. Let's play cut six again, Mr. Deuce. And Paul Ryan saying that you can't change the Constitution with an executive order. Who is changing the Constitution? It's the executive branch, the president of the United States, who is the executive branch, taking back the authority to interpret and enforce the 14th Amendment. Go ahead. Well, you obviously cannot do that. Uh, you cannot end birthright citizenship with an executive order. We didn't like it when Obama tried changing immigration laws via executive action, and obviously— Well, let's stop. Who's changing immigration laws? You know, I brought as a guest here Daniel Horowitz, who's an expert in this area, as he is in many, incredibly intelligent. He writes over a conservative review, uh, and uh, Daniel Horowitz, what is Speaker Ryan even talking about? Well, great to be with you, Mark. And first of all, condolences on the loss of your patriot yeah. dad. He's, a, he's in a better place. Thank you. Um, you know, this is constitutional, constitutionally illiterate. I cannot relate to what these people are saying. Let's put this in plain English here. Basically, they're saying, Mark, I could break into your home, kick down the door, drop a kid there, and he has the right to live there for the remainder of his life, and there's not a darn thing you could do about it, even henceforth. That's what they're basically saying. It has nothing to do with the president. They're arguing we can't even do this through Congress. Uh, the reality is that even if we agree to the notion of birthright citizenship, that there is a legal mandate, a floor requiring uh, Congress and the executive branch to issue uh, citizenship to any child of any legal immigrant – under any circumstance, as the court did in Wong Kim Ark, a very activist decision, but let's agree to that. There is no way you could extrapolate that to people who came here without consent. The key words are consent and sovereignty. Nothing ever supersedes that. Nobody could unilaterally assert jurisdiction and uh, make it that there's nothing we can do to stop this. And I think, Mark, more broadly speaking, what the disturbing trend we're seeing is that throughout the last number of decades, past administrations have actually used executive power to subvert sovereignty. It looks like Trump is doing a lot of things executively, but the details matter, and what he's doing is actually pursuant to law. And as you mentioned, there is nothing in statute requiring this, and it all actually happened by accident through laziness and lacks of enforcement. Explain that, because people are under the impression, including the current Speaker of the House, who's taken an oath to uphold the Constitution, and some of these fools on TV who pretend they're experts, they seem to think that the 14th Amendment says what they say it says. Now, we're originalists, and that includes textualists, and you look at the language as intended, as written at the time. And they tell us exactly what they meant. And nowhere do they mean affirmatively giving citizenship to children of illegal aliens. I think this is where some of our colleagues go awry. Textualism doesn't mean Amelia Bedelia-style literalism. Right. Um, even if it didn't say and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, if it just said anyone born in the U.S., is a citizen. I got news for them. For 130 years, there's an uninterrupted stream of case law, including cases written by the Wong Kim Ark Justice, Horace Gray, saying that if you come here without consent and you do not have legal status, it is in the most literal and physical sense as if you are standing outside of our boundaries in terms of access to the courts, in terms of rights, in terms of everything. So literally, you are not on our soil. 
And, and that is set a law. So when Congress merely cut and paste the text of the 14th Amendment in 1952, they could have never fathomed such an egregious argument that because in 1952, in. the Constitution was not interpreted as giving citizenship to the children of illegal aliens. Exactly. It's like saying, prove to me that the 14th Amendment didn't mean to mandate gay marriage. Well, I mean, no one would have thought that. And, and, and that's the thing here. What I, the best I could see from my research is that for most of our history, we didn't have too many illegal aliens in the early part of the 20th century. It was in the 60s and 70s and 80s it started to grow. And there was never an active decision. What happened was because most people um, – are born here, who, who are born here are obviously legitimate citizens, and we believe in birthright citizenship for legal immigrants. Hospitals never asked any questions, and HHS and the Social Security Administration never clamped down on it on the back end. How do I know this is true? Because everyone agrees that children of diplomats are excluded, right? I mean, that's the whole point, that they're not subject to American law. They have Everybody diplomatic- agrees children of diplomats, tourists who just come to the United States, I mean, real tourists, not not the the sham that we see taking place in some of these places, but just because you're a tourist in the United States, you happen to give birth, doesn't mean that you then uh, cede uh, a birth birthright citizenship to the United States if you're, say, from Canada. Exactly, exactly. I mean, that's that's the point. So, you know, there is evidence that there are plenty of children of diplomats that are also being handed... Uh, citizenship papers and past administrations have been extremely lax. And in that case, everyone agrees they're not entitled to it. So again, this is a passive act. Trump is actually restoring the real law. Um, This dates back to the Ulysses S. Grant's attorney general. Uh, Just a couple years after the 14th Amendment passed, he said very clearly that this means people subject to complete jurisdiction, not aliens with parents born abroad. Um, There were two other cases before them that said the same thing. This Justice Gray overturned that inexplicably. And this is just the stuff that nobody is willing to talk about. Mm -hmm. Now, let's make something very, very clear about this. They say it's of dubious legality for the president to do this with an executive order. Let's walk through this together. So in the 1960s and 70s, the bureaucracy starts conferring citizenship on the children of illegal aliens, not based on the statute, not based on the Constitution. It takes hold throughout the federal bureaucracy. Who's in charge of the federal bureaucracy, Daniel Horowitz? The president. The president of the United States. So a president says, you know what? I, I, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to revert. Then, including the leader of the Republicans in the House, they say, you can't change the Constitution by executive order. You know, that's what Obama was doing. We don't do that kind of stuff. Your point earlier, he's not changing the Constitution by executive order. He's not reinterpreting the Constitution by executive order. He's getting the executive branch under control and saying this is what the 14th Amendment means. This is what I wrote in my book, Stolen Sovereignty. Literally, we have stolen sovereignty. The executive branch made this decision. Imagine if the people would have voted or Congress would have conducted a vote. We are going to give citizenship to hundreds of thousands of people every year who break into our country against our consent. No one would have ever voted for that. That was a bureaucratic creation. And again, let's zoom back to asylum, to many other changes Trump is making. He's merely restoring 
the Constitution and the statutes. He's overturning the other administrative uh, lawless acts of previous administrations. You know very well, Mark, and, and you do this as well. At Conservative Review, we are not in lockstep with everything that any party does. We will call the president out if we disagree with something. But everything he has done in immigration is actually the base statute. It's what past administrations have done to subvert it that he's changing. So, I mean, as the head of the executive branch, he doesn't need a statute uh, to reverse what the executive branch did without a statute, does he? No, no. Unless Congress, the only thing that could happen is Congress, with their naturalization power, could explicitly say, thou shall give uh, citizenship to all legals. They, they could do that. But until but they, they do won't. that, he... Isn't the problem, though, that the courts might? Aren't the courts out of control? Even these so-called constitutionalists on the court. Um, you know, to state my unpopular opinion here, I mean, this was my concern about Gorsuch, and I think we've seen that in a very similar sovereignty case in Demaya v. Sessions. Um, I, I don't know if we have five votes. I, I, I doubt Roberts will be with us. But I don't think the, I, I don't I don't think uh, Kavanaugh would be with us. I, I think, yeah, I mean, it, I, I know Thomas would be based on his past writings and his understanding of sovereignty. But but here's the broader question: issuing citizenship, birth certificates, that is an executive power. Mm-hmm. Who's to say that the judiciary has the final say? This is not some, you know, IBM versus Microsoft case or controversy. This is the most foundational national question. And the notion that we're going to cede that to the courts. But the problem I, is the courts seize it for themselves. Look what, look what they did to the president when he was simply trying to have a six-month respite so he could vet people coming here from six... A majority Muslim countries that are spreading terrorism in those countries, where there's civil war in those countries. It didn't even include a majority of Muslim countries with the vast majority of Muslim po- population. And look what happened in these federal district courts and circuit courts. You, you have to hold your breath. Oh, and, and by the way, since Trump won in Trump v. Hawaii in the Supreme Court, subsequent lower courts have come back and basically repealed that Supreme Court decision. They're just totally disregarding it and putting injunctions on very similar policies. This is what happens, and I don't know the answer for this, when as a society, as a body politic, both the executive branch and members of Congress of both parties say, let's see what the courts say. Well, I mean, if the courts are not a concurrent power side by side, but standing over them, we have North Korea and there's no elections. So this is the problem. Yeah, I don't think this will do well in the courts, but again, they would say the same thing if Congress were to do it. Just last week, a district judge said that a statute of Congress making it illegal for local communities to thwart federal immigration law is unconstitutional. Not the president, statute. So I don't know what you do with that. Mm-hmm. Well, here we are. But one of the things I'm very pleased about is it sounds like the president is taking this on. Now, I hear some of the race baiters on cable TV. Well, actually, cable TV is filled with race baiters. And I heard one of them say recently that uh, today the president brought this up to create division. The president didn't even bring it up. He was asked about it by, by a reporter who was interviewing him who got word that they're quietly looking at this in the counsel's office or maybe the Department of Justice. And he even said, I don't know how you got that information. And they turn it into a race issue. Of course they're going to, right? Mark, you know what's tragic about the race issue? And and this is really ironic and really sad. The 14th Amendment was crafted to ensure 
that the Declaration of Independence would actually, the vision would actually be actualized, mm-hmm. and the bare-bone minimum rights, life, liberty, and property, would be given to black American citizens that should have been citizens for many years. They were here for centuries. And instead, that is being bastardized to subvert the actual meaning and disenfranchise all American citizens, black and white and everything else, at the hand of, of, of illegal immigrants. It, it makes no sense. As uh, representative Let me, let me just say this, because I have to go soon. Let, let's be abundantly clear about it. That amendment was for black Americans. That amendment, that amendment was for former slaves. That's it. Done. And it was to make sure that they were treated as equal citizens. The whole point of the, civil, uh, the post-Civil War amendments was to protect former slaves. It had nothing to do with illegal aliens, same-sex marriage, this one, that one, or the other. Nothing whatsoever. So the left pours its agenda into the 14th Amendment, which it's want to do. Daniel Horowitz, keep up the good work. We much appreciate it, my friend. Thanks so much. God bless. And God bless to you, too. Listen to this. The IRS hired a small army of private collectors. Now, if your heart just skipped a beat, Chances are you owe the IRS because hearing the most powerful collection agency just got more powerful is pretty scary. If you owe the IRS, do what listeners Penny and Kenneth did and call Optima Tax Relief. They owed a lot of money and they were living in fear of losing their savings, their retirement, their business, everything. Optima stopped the aggressive collection actions and stopped the small army of tax collectors from targeting them. Optima knows that behind every tax problem are honest, hardworking Americans with families, homes, savings, and paychecks that need protection. They're experts in the Fresh Start Initiative, a special IRS program that could save you thousands, even tens of thousands if you qualify. Now, that's just one of many ways Optima has resolved over half a billion in tax debt for clients. Half a billion. Call Optima Tax Relief at 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. That's 800 800- 499-6300. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You're going to hear spurious arguments that people want to repeal the 14th Amendment. There's nothing to do with repealing the 14th Amendment. You're going to hear spurious arguments that This has been the way it has been for 150 years. That's nonsense. This started in the 1960s. It started in the 1960s when immigration went to hell. The whole rule of law changed. Interpretation of the Constitution's 14th Amendment to apply to the children of illegal aliens didn't take place until over a hundred years later. Until over a hundred years later. Congress didn't do it. There was no executive order. There was no court decision. The bureaucracy just started doing it. Nobody knows exactly who did it. They just started doing it. That's what progressives do. And now to hear Republicans say, so-called conservative Republicans say, look, you can't change the Constitution with an executive order. Or we don't do what Obama and the left does, using an executive order in lieu of a statute. Now, I don't doubt that activist judges and courts 
will make that argument. But for Republicans and conservatives to completely reject the Constitution, to completely reject history, and to claim that the bureaucracy can reinterpret the 14th Amendment, but the president who's in charge of the bureaucracy can't put it back in the box with an executive order, is ridiculous. Again, the courts are out of control, but the president has the right state of mind. You know, Mr. Producer was such a fan of my ex-chair, we finally decided it was time to get him his own. He's got his own ex-chair now, and he loves it. And Mr. Producer and I are different heights, different sizes, yet how the ex-chair conforms to each of us to provide the same unbelievable level of support and comfort is really extraordinary. And he's feeling the difference physically. Less pain, more energy, better focus, more productivity. You need to feel the X-chair difference for yourself. And if you want to see how beautiful this amazing chair is, just go to xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com, and you'll see the different models. And there are numerous models. If you own a small business or any business, take my advice. If you want happier, more productive employees, then consider getting X-chairs for your entire staff. It's very reasonable investment that will pay huge dividends. X-Chair is on sale right now for $100 off for all of you. Go to xchairlevin.com. That's xchairlevin.com or call 1-844-4X-Chair. 1-844-4X-Chair. X-Chair comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. Go to xchairlevin.com or call 844 844- for X-Chair. And by the way, if you use code Levin Footrest, you'll get a free footrest too. X-Chair, L-E-V-I-N dot com or 844-4X-Chair. We'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day, with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Everybody, Mark Levin here. Our number eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. I want to first describe to you the extent to which Jim Acosta, 
is not a newsman, but a hack. Not a newsman, but a hack. Now, he tweeted out, and I paraphrase, that the President of the United States is well aware that he cannot change the 14th Amendment of the Constitution in 150 years of interpretation by executive order. And he's doing this for political reasons to divide the country and blah, blah, blah. First of all, the president didn't bring this up. The reporters interviewing him brought it up. Let me repeat. This is an important fact that Jim Acosta ignores intentionally. The president didn't bring it up. The reporters interviewing him brought it up. Number one. Number two. It has not been the interpretation of the 14th Amendment for 150 years. It had never been the interpretation of the 14th Amendment. It hasn't been interpreted that way yet by the United States Supreme Court. The fact of the matter is the bureaucracy, disparate parts of the bureaucracy, and then the bureaucracy generally began interpreting that way in the 1960s. There's no statutory basis for this. There's no constitutional basis for this. We know what the author of the amendment said. It's in black and white. We know what the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee said. It's in black and white. I've read it. I've reported on it. I've written about it. Had nothing to do with this subject. As a matter of fact, the author of the amendment, the man who drafted it, And the supporters of the Civil Rights Act at the time made it clear that it exempted foreigners and aliens and so forth, which is rational. So when you're interpreting the Constitution, people say, look at the text, look what it says. You look at the text in the context of what the people who wrote it meant. That's an originalist. Now, for the left, they could care less. They pour everything they want into the 14th Amendment, so they don't matter. But the media, which, of course, is of the left... But it's not supposed to be. To be so ignorant, Jim Acosta, and again to start trashing the president of the United States, who didn't even bring it up. And he was surprised it came up. And he was honest in his response. Yes, we're looking at a potential executive order. To attack him and say, here he is, Mr. Race Bader again, is sickening. It is beyond belief that the media conduct themselves this way. I'll give you another example. The Anti-Defamation League, which is now headed by a former special assistant to Barack Obama. The ADL, which went left. You've been hearing day in and day out now since the slaughter in Pittsburgh. And you've heard it from the media that there's been an increase in hate crimes against Jews, anti-Semitism in the United States since Trump was elected. And what did they do? They looked at 2013, 2014, 2015, and then 2016. An increase. 684 cases. Well, why did they start in 2013? How about you start in 2012 when Barack Obama was president 
868 cases. Or how about 2011? 771 cases. Or how about 2010? 887 cases. How about 2009? 931 cases. Or how about 2008 when Obama was elected? 1,013 cases. The highest number since 2002. As a matter of fact, in almost every year of the Obama presidency, hate crimes against Jews was higher than in 2016. Not in every year, but almost every year. Hate crimes against Jews. Did CNN or MSNBC point that out? Did they say that the language that Obama uses when trashing the Prime Minister of Israel, when trashing the State of Israel, the language that Obama and Hillary Clinton and John Kerry used resulted in the rise of anti-Semitism in America? Of course not. Well, why not? And for CNN and MSNBC, who keep talking about the tone out there that may have led to this this Jew hater, Trump hater, who slaughtered those 11 Jews, how do we know you didn't cause it? How do we know it wasn't Jake Tapper, report that Jake Tapper did that pushed this guy over the edge? Or Don Lemon? Or Chris Cuomo? Or Camerata? How do we know? How do we know it wasn't any of the hosts on MSNBC? How do we know it wasn't the New York Times or the Washington Post? How do we know it wasn't Chuck Schumer, Pelosi, or Maxine Waters? How do we know they didn't push this guy over the edge? We know that he didn't like Trump. Well, how do we know that it wasn't them and their tone? Now, ladies and gentlemen, to the consternation of some, but not you, my loyal audience, You know, I'm a fierce defender of this country. I'm a fierce defender of our principles, our constitution, our declaration, individual liberty. I'm a fierce defender of this nation because we are a virtuous people, a virtuous country. No country's perfect. But you don't see Americans pouring into Central and South America to escape America. You see people in Central and South America pouring into the United States to escape their countries and their cultures. All over the world, you see the same thing. People in Southeast Asia, the Middle East, Africa, pouring into the United States, not Americans pouring into those places. And we're supposed to pretend that culturally and every other way, we're on an equal ground with them. Well, we're not. This is the shining city on a hill, as Reagan put it. And we all know it. But there's a little America, if you will, in many respects, Israel, which reflects the values of the United States, the principles of the United States, the belief in individual humanity and liberty, in a democratic system, in a rule of law. And I've been a fierce defender of the state of Israel and the people of Israel, even when the media at CNN and MSNBC and all over the the media 
Attack this tiny little country every time this tiny little country is attacked by terrorists. Back in May. Back in May. When Israel was subjected to terrorist attacks from Hamas, pushed by Iran and Hezbollah. The media reporting was shameful and shameless. There are more bigots in the media than we actually know, quite frankly. Now, we have a wonderful guest coming up, and I don't want to interrupt his interview. But what I'm talking about here is MSNBC and Steve Schmidt. And after we talk to John James, the wonderful Senate candidate in Michigan, I'm going to get back to this subject. Because I've been accused, and other patriotic conservatives, but I as a Jew have been accused by a non-Jew with German heritage of partly being responsible for the slaughter of the Jews in that synagogue, for having blood on my hands. This is an MSNBC contributor. He hasn't been fired. He hasn't been suspended. He hasn't been reprimanded. So I will deal with him and them after the bottom of the hour. But our guest will be John James, the wonderful Republican candidate for the United States Senate in Michigan. And I want to give him a fair airing because he would be a magnificent senator. We'll be right back. Well, it's a pleasure to have John James on the program. He's the Republican nominee for the United States Senate in Michigan. Uh, the election is next Tuesday, a week from now. But I, uh, Mr. James, it's an honor to have you on the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. Um, is there early voting in Michigan? Uh, we have absentee balloting, but, uh, but no early voting that we may see in other states. All right, so it's very important that people get out on Election Day in Michigan. Tell us about your race, what the key issues are, and your opponent, too. Uh, of course. Well, uh, the key thing about this race is we have the opportunity to move Michigan forward. I'm a combat veteran, uh, an OIF veteran, a West Point graduate um, who served uh, in Iraq in Operation Rocky Freedom 0709, flew 750 hours combat uh, over there, and I uh, came back to grow my family business. Um, from 35 million to 137 million, but most importantly, created 100 jobs in Michigan and around the country. I believe that having the experience uh, in combat helps me to understand national security um, in a way that my opponent can't, and understand veterans' issues in a way that my opponent has failed to. But also, from a business standpoint, understanding how to grow our economy, but also create economic opportunity for people who have been failed for decades. My opponent is a 43-year career politician who spent 20 years in Washington and 18 years as a senator. And in that 18 years, she's only accomplished getting five of her uh, co-sponsored bills into law, three of which are to rename buildings. Uh, I truly believe that we have folks in Washington who are legislating and regulating futures they're not going to be a part of. And uh, this will not change until, until we stand up and take our government back. That's amazing. How long has she been in the Senate? She's been in the Senate for 18 years. And she's been in state government forever, too, right? Yes. Uh, she was actually um, uh, first elected uh, 43 years ago 
1975. Wow. And that's the year the Vietnam War officially ended. Yet, a number of weeks ago, she stood in front of a veteran service organization and said that she was unaware of veterans' issues, that they weren't on her radar screen. We have been at war for over a decade and a half, and we still haven't welcomed our Vietnam veterans back home properly. And this didn't make a dent on her priority list. That's unacceptable. When I get to Washington, I'm going to make sure that we prioritize our veterans, that we prioritize health care, and we prioritize education to make sure that everybody has access to the American dream. Now, your website is johnjamesforsenate.com. So if people want to contribute to your campaign all over the country and people in Michigan want to get involved in the last week of your campaign, they go to johnjamesforsenate.com, correct? That's right. They can also follow me on Facebook and Twitter, at johnjamesmi. And let me tell you, um, this race is in play with my candidacy. Uh, when we first started out, we were 23 points down, and uh, as of last Friday, six points down. But as we all know, the liberals have done a wonderful job of shaming people and bullying people into not expressing their opinions. And so given the fact that straight ticket voting is not no longer allowed in Michigan and the fact that conservatives don't poll, we vote, uh, I believe that we're even closer than that. Um, last quarter, we outraised Debbie Stabenow. 3.6 million, our 3.6 million to her 1.8, uh, so doubled her up there. And between October 1st and uh, October 17th, because of uh, of your listeners and some very faithful grassroots army uh, folks were on the state and around the country, we raised $2 million to her uh, 471000 We have the momentum in this race, and uh, by your help and assistance, uh, we're going to win this thing on November 6th. Tell me... Uh Tell me about the, the two or three or four issues that you think are paramount. Uh, well, I, I mentioned them uh, about veterans' issues. I believe that our veterans are facing... Uh, well, let me, let, me, let me address it this way. Yes. Economically, the president seems to be doing the, the right thing. Your, your opponent opposed the tax cuts. I assume you would have supported them? Absolutely. Your opponent supports a massive bureaucracy with massive regulations without... A legislative authority from Congress that that affects Democrats, Republicans, and every kind of business, whether it's car manufacturing or small businesses. I assume you support the the direction in which the administration is going. Absolutely, and this is part of the problem. Uh, right now, uh, you have people in Washington, like Debbie Stabenow, who are trying to legislate uh, legislate industries. They've never run a business before, and right now, the overburdens and regulation, the overtaxation is creating uh, environments that are actually shipping jobs off uh, to, to places like China and Mexico and Turkey uh, and then selling those goods in to compete with us uh, that they're going to be uh, that, that, uh, that the administration is, is now correcting. I believe that um, by supporting a pro-business environment, it helps to um, bring all ships up. And uh, folks like Senator Stabenow not only failed to vote for the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that also created opportunity zones uh, in rural and urban areas around the country. But she's also voted to raise our taxes hundreds of times over the past 18 years. She's not a, a, a friend of business. She's not a friend of economic growth. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, she supports the, the socialist um, uh, agenda that will bankrupt our children's futures. And yet she goes back to Michigan, and she tries to appeal to Republicans, independents, blue-collar workers by by doing this, I'm a moderate, I'm a centrist, I can work with the other side. But she's hardcore left, and she votes for Schumer to be uh, the leader of the Democrats, and she votes against Kavanaugh, and she basically is a reliable left-wing vote, correct? Uh, Mark, it's even worse than that. Uh, according to the Lucas Center, uh, Senator Stabenow 
despite all of her uh, using bipartisanship as a buzzword, is the 69th most bipartisan senator in the United States Senate. That puts her more liberal than Elizabeth Warren. Debbie Stabenow is more liberal than Elizabeth Warren, and she supports things that, uh, that, that many people in the state, uh, a state that Donald Trump won, I absolutely find reprehensible in a lot of cases. Uh, Senator Stabenow is not bipartisan. In fact, she votes with Chuck Schumer 95% of the time and Hillary Clinton 93% of the time, and that's a solid A as a New York senator. That's a failure in leadership. She does not represent Michigan. She represents New York, and that needs to change on November 6th. Have you been uh, interviewed much by big media, by NBC, ABC, CBS? Have you been interviewed much by CNN or MSNBC? No, um, I've uh, I've been interviewed by uh, by Fox and a, and a bunch of local areas, uh, local stations here. Um, but uh, but uh, that that's kind of indicative of the situation we live in right now. You see a lot of Stacey Abrams and Andrew Gillum uh, talking about their first. But uh, when you talk about the uh, the first uh, Republican, uh, uh, the first I'm sorry, the first African American senator from the state of Michigan, and only the third since the '60s. Um, you, you hear crickets um, from uh, from the, uh, the the liberal progressive media. Uh, we we really are just praying hard and working hard and, and, and getting the word out there. And as I mentioned, um, our fundraising and our uh, our polling numbers uh, have this race in play. I think we're going to shock a lot of people on uh, November sixth. I want all the people listening to this program all over, and we're all over the state of Michigan. All you Levinites out there, please go to johnjamespersenate.com and give what you can give to help this campaign. Grassroots out there, all you Levinites, you need to come out on Election Day. I would love to see you in the senator, John, as a senator, John James. You would be absolutely terrific. I wish you all the best. And God bless. Thanks a lot, Mark. And God bless to you, too. Come on, folks. Come on, Michigan. Let's do it. I'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. Just in time for Halloween, the Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi nightmare continues. Call in now, 877-381-3811. You know, I actually like Paul Ryan. I know, this offends some of you. I like the man. Personally, he's a very nice guy. I haven't talked to him in years. But when I have, I've liked him. But I want to invite Paul Ryan on this program openly and publicly to debate this issue of birthright citizenship. Since he made a statement that I contend is utterly and completely bogus on its face. 
So I'd be, and it would be, it would be a nice debate, a nice debate, a civil debate. But his office is listening. He may be listening. I want to invite him on the program. We can debate birthright citizenship, not the politics of it, the Constitution, the 14th Amendment, what the draft of the 14th Amendment said, what the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee said at the time. I'd be more than happy to debate him on this subject, uh, as well as perhaps he can tell us exactly where the interpretation came where illegal alien children, born in the United States of illegal aliens, obviously, are, are granted, really summarily, um, citizenship. Maybe he can tell us exactly how that came to be in the 1960s and 70s and who did that. Maybe he can provide us with a statutory basis for this. Because they're saying, look, the president of the United States is head of the executive branch. He can't reverse any of this. And I'm thinking, well, why can't he? Came out of the executive branch without a statute. It's not based on what the Constitution says. You're going to hear ignoramuses all over TV with law degrees, as professors, as former judges who don't have the foggiest idea what the hell they're talking about. Just like they haven't had the foggiest idea what the hell they're talking about when it's come to Mueller half the time. They have no idea what they're talking about. This is what I know. This is what I know. Better than all the rest of them. And I say that not out of brag, but out of fact. I can't tell you what some activist judge or court will do. They're all over the place. They don't have fidelity to the Constitution. Activism, by its very definition... From a judge or a justice means that you don't have fidelity to the Constitution. So I can't control that. But you still want to know the rules, right? You still want to know. When the 14th Amendment was adopted, what did they say? When it was drafted, what did they say? What did they mean? That's what constitutional conservatism is all about. You know, here's the truth about most home security companies. They're like dealing with another bad cable company. So you spend hours waiting around for technicians, hours on the phone to get questions answered. And then when you're at your limit, you remember, hey, you know what? I'm locked into a damn three-year contract. Now, if you're looking to protect your home and family, go with Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe is real, comprehensive protection, beautifully designed to look good in your home, and using it makes your home safer. Simply Safe has backups in place to keep you safe, protecting your home even if you lose power or internet or if someone attacks the system. Best of all, you get 24-7 monitoring with police and fire dispatch for just $15 a month. And unlike other home security companies, Simply Safe has no long-term contract. It's the best around-the-clock protection you can find. Get 10% off. 10% off Simply Safe today. At simplysafemark.com. And you'll also get free shipping and free returns. That's simplysafemark.com for 10% off your Simply Safe home security system. Simplysafemark.com. Stephen Schmidt, I believe, is a bigot. He's unhinged. And MSNBC is proud of him, like they're proud of Joy Reid, like they're proud of Al Sharpton. Lectures from MSNBC about temperament and tone. 
Well, three of those people shouldn't be working for MSNBC if they're serious about being professionals, journalists, and tone. Now, this guy, Steve Schmidt, I've never met him, and he better hope I never meet him. This is, once again, another illustration of how low the media have become in this country, in the aggregate, with their groupthink. The rabbi of the synagogue where this slaughter occurred had a pushback on Allison Camerata on CNN, who was begging him to trash Trump. Another congregant. A congregate from the synagogue had to push back against Andrea Mitchell and MSNBC, begging him to trash Trump. I've never seen such despicable conduct in my life. These people, these so-called journalists, have ice water in their veins. If they gave a damn about the carnage that took place, they wouldn't conduct themselves this way. And they're political opportunists. When some nut who likes Bernie Sanders is shooting at Republicans, critically wounding one, nobody blames Bernie Sanders in the media. When Ryson is being sent to Trump, to Trump's kids, to people in his administration, to Republican senators, we don't hear all this quiet the tone from the, about the Democrats from the media. We never hear it. And yet, here we have a man who slaughtered 11 human beings who hates Jews and hates Trump. And you knew that the media, Jim Acosta, Andrea Mitchell, Allison Camerata, Chris Cuomo, Don Lemon, and all the rest of them, Jake Tapper, you knew that they were going to turn the blame on Trump. It's the tone of Trump, you see, because before Trump, everything was really great. The nation was united. Obama talked in pearls of wisdom. Biden was the nicest guy in the world. We never had the Bork hearings, the the, uh, Clarence Thomas hearings. We never had the attacks on Reagan. Well, no, we never had any of this stuff. There was so much peace in our politics before Trump, wasn't there? Of course there wasn't. They downplayed Antifa. They dare not speak of Black Lives Matter. And as far as Farrakhan's concerned, embraced by the Democrats with a wink and a nod. Ten days ago, he calls Jews termites. He got barely no coverage. And Steve Schmidt is of that ilk. He's of the Farrakhan ilk. He's of the Sharpton and Joy Reid ilk. He's of the Andrea Mitchell and the Allison Camerata ilk. This guy is a parasite. He was a campaign operative for Republicans like John McCain. And he was on the outs with Trump. Like the other clown, Nicole Wallace. And so they're on a mission, these Trump haters. Whether it's Scarborough or that clown, Mika Brzezinski, or Nicole Wallace, or this guy, or another jerk, Rick Wilson. They're all out there, all 12 of them, 12 of them. And MSNBC and CNN and the rest like to tell you, oh, these are Republicans, or former Republicans, you know. And even they hate Trump. 
Yeah, well, 90% of the Republicans support him. But I want to show you how sickening this gets. I want to show you how sickening this gets. I'm getting an award from the Zionists of America organization on Sunday. I received an award a few months ago from Emmet, another pro-Israel organization. I went over to Israel to watch the ceremony of the opening of our embassy in Jerusalem. I broadcast, as you know, from Israel for three days. Natan Sharansky, Dory Gold, so many great people. America-loving Israelis. 90% of the Israeli people support Trump's actions with respect to Israel. Almost the converse in our own country, but you understand. A president who's so proud of his daughter, Ivanka Trump. She's an Orthodox Jew. So proud of his stepson, Jared Kushner, an Orthodox Jew. So proud of his three grandchildren from that couple. All Orthodox Jews. And the mass murder was right. He's surrounded by Jews. He is. And Christians too. But you get the point. We had the ambassador from Israel on this program, Ron Dermer, and he said that this president is the greatest friend Israel's ever had in the presidency, and it's not even close. The Anti-Defamation League is led by a former special assistant to Barack Obama. They pounce to attack this president. They don't represent this Jew, I can tell you that. There's a left-wing progressive organization of so-called Jewish leaders, quote-unquote, backed by Soros' son. He's been, they've been quoted all over the media that they don't want Trump in Pittsburgh. Who the hell are they? They represent anybody. Just left-wing kooks. But the rabbi of the synagogue said, I'm a citizen, he's the president, of course we welcome him. Despite being pressed by CNN. The other member of the synagogue, same thing. They thought they, you sure, with the tone, the president, says, hey, forget the politics. Says, as I recall, this guy didn't like Trump. Steve, Steve Schmidt, yesterday on MSNBC, cut one, go. We have to, 40% of the country has opted into an alternate reality. Now stop. So you folks who support Trump or are Republicans, you're mentally ill. See, you're in an alternate reality. If a person's in an alternate reality, they're mentally ill. So here you go. This guy is condemning millions of people who he happens to disagree with. You're in an alternate reality. That is what counts as serious analysis at MSNBC. Go. We have to wake up in this country and understand the danger that this presents to all of us. We can't put our heads in the sand. Kellyanne Conway... The danger what represents to all of us? The mass murder? Yes. But he's talking about Trump. The danger he represents to all of us. Why, what has he done? Has he rounded up? Ethnic groups like FBR did? 
Did he resegregate the civil service and the military like Woodrow Wilson did? What is he talking about? Go ahead. Today goes on national television. She said, well, this shooter's motives were because there's an anti-religious sentiment. No, ma'am. Now, stop. She said a hell of a lot more than that. But you can see what a flunky this guy is, what a stooge he is. Go ahead. Propaganda industry that she commands with the vile president that she serves, abetted by Mark Levin and Rush Limbaugh and Breitbart and Newsbusters and Judicial Watch and all the rest of them have blood on their hands for the incitements that they have made that have triggered and radicalized these crazy people. Now stop right here. You with your insane rantings, you nobody. You are a contemptible fraud. I, Rush, Breitbart, Judicial Watch, so forth, we haven't incited anybody to do anything like this. That we have triggered and radicalized these crazy people. That we have triggered and radicalized this mass murder. Let me tell you something, you punk, and you would never say this to my face. What was that website called, Mr. Producer? Storm something? Stormfront. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to Google Stormfront. Isn't that the name of it, Rich? And Mark Levin. Something like that. A neo-Nazi site. It's been taken down. I've been on there all the time with horns, with a tail, with a star David on my chest, on my forehead. What's it called? Daily Storm or something like that. One of the people who used to contribute to that was that piece of crap that went into that black sh- church and shot those nine parishioners. Shot those nine parishioners who brought them into their hit church. Who wanted to pray with them. And he sits there and he murders them. That sight. And I wasn't going to say this. I have an active investigation going on right now. A neo-Nazi threatening me. I don't need this punk to tell me I have blood on my hands because one of them slaughtered 11 Jews. I am Jewish. And MSNBC has an obligation to its corporate board, to its investors, and more than that, the American people, to fire this ass. Because he's a bigot. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Oh, yes, yes, Steve Schmidt, the refuge of society. They like to point out this exchange I had. How much time do I have, Rich? This exchange I had with this caller once, where I told her to basically, if I were her husband, you know, it was a bad, stupid joke 10 years ago about putting a gun in my mouth and ending it. It was a takeoff on a Churchill joke with Lady Astor. When she said, Winston, if I were your wife, I'd poison 
your coffee, and he said, Nancy, if I were your husband, I'd drink it. Everybody knew it. It's a decade ago or what? That's what they bring up. See that? See, he changed the tone of the debate. You're very sick, pal, as are all the hosts over there who keep promoting this. Chris Matthews jumps in, drunk. At least he seems to be. You know, every time you go online, your internet provider and advertising companies can track what you do and sell your personal information. Plus, the NSA gobbles up virtually everything. So how can you protect yourself? Computer experts recommend using a VPN. The software I use, called ExpressVPN, makes it super easy for anyone to stay private online. They're rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. These days, I don't use the Internet without ExpressVPN. Now, ExpressVPN's apps take just minutes to set up and afterwards run seamlessly in the background of my computer and smartphone. You install the program, then turn on ExpressVPN protection with a single click. Couldn't be easier. ExpressVPN secures and makes anonymous your Internet through data encryption and hiding your IP address. That means nobody, nobody can record or access your online activity. It's really remarkable. So if you want to protect yourself from hackers, spy agencies, or your ISP, visit expressvpn.com slash mark. That's expressvpn.com slash mark for their special offer. Three months free and a one-year package. Don't risk, uh, that's three months free with a one-year package. So don't risk your online data any longer. Visit expressvpn.com slash mark today. And there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. We will move on. But I don't take this crap from these people. Take this crap from these people at all. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. When MSNBC and Steve Schmidt talk about me, a Jew having blood on my hands... Doesn't that remind you, folks, of the Third Reich? Doesn't it remind you of the Third Reich, Mr. Producer? I think so. They're bigots. I want to read you something from a rabbi, David Wolpe, from, from a site, a publication called The Tablet, which is an excellent publication. He's the rabbi of Sinai Temple in Los Angeles. And he recently wrote a book called Why Faith Matters. Just listen to this. All the folks in the audience, this isn't just about Judaism or rabbis or Jews. My synagogue is on the west side of Los Angeles. On a rough guess, about half my congregants support Donald Trump. Many of those who do, but certainly not all, are from the Persian community. We have had frank discussions. They know I deplore many of the things he says, and I oppose much of what he does. They know that I have criticized publicly and privately the inflammatory rhetoric 
of his presentations and warn them of its effects. They also know that we respect and listen to one another, that I do not preach politics at them, but I do speak with them and learn from them, and that our relationship in many cases is not only one of affection, but of genuine love. So when I see major American Jewish figures tell me that my congregants are illegitimate, my blood boils a little bit. After the tragedy in Pittsburgh, perhaps because I spend so much of my time at the bedside of the sick and dying, I expected that the first impulse of Jews in particular would be to simply offer messages of sorrow and condolence. It's what I imagined I would read when I opened a prayer for, Square, for, uh, for uh, Squirrel Hill and for American Jewry from Franklin Fuhr, whom I know somewhat and have always respected. Instead, I read this, quote, Any strategy for enhancing the security of American Jewry should involve shunning Trump's Jewish enablers. Their money should be refused, their presence in synagogues not welcome, unquote. In other words, more than half of my Sabbath morning congregants, Shabbat, and in some more traditional synagogues, Almost all of them should have the doors barred against their entry. Jews who make uh, minions pay shiva calls, underwrite nursing homes and kindergartens, people who make Judaism possible uh, with their flawed but real human presence for other people should be cast out of their midst because of the levers they pull in the privacy of a voting booth. And what, after all, would a Jew who fled from Iran know about anti-Semitism or protecting the Jewish community, right? A Shabbat ended in Los Angeles, a city where in 1999 there was a terror attack against the Jewish community center. I saw this from another reporter whose work I've always esteemed very highly, Julia Ihoff. And a word to my fellow American Jews, she said, this president makes this possible here where you live. I hope the embassy move over there where you don't live was worth it. In other words, the embassy move is what caused the killing in Pittsburgh, you see. And she has a voice on MSNBC. They're very proud of her. The calculation here, I suppose, is that people voted for Trump to get an embassy move and their vote proxy murdered other Jews. How careful should one be, should a distinguished reporter be, when accusing others of such enormities, even indirectly? And this goes to this guy, Schmidt, a good little German. How do people think this message will fall on the ears of those who fled from Iran to be told that they are in fact guilty in the death of Pittsburgh's Jews? Or even more shamefully, on the ears of Judah Samet. Mr. Samet, a Holocaust survivor, escaped death by four minutes before he was a little late to shul. Because he was. He's also a strong supporter of Trump. Frank, Julia, would you stand before this 80-year-old man, not in a Twitter online piece, but face-to-face and tell him he's responsible for the death of his friends? The people with whom he prays each Shabbat, would you bar him from the shul where he almost died again at the hands of Jew haters? Really? And that would make us the righteous ones. There is much that smart journalists and observers like these folks say that I agree must be said. Yes, we must be vigilant and aware and ready to spot and combat the virus of hatred. Yes, we must call out public voices from the president on down who speak in ways we believe endangers or radicalizes the population, he writes. But my congregants 
are not the ones who are dangerous. And manipulating responsibility to turn Jews into perpetrators is ethically appalling and community and communally toxic. We can only be a Jewish people when we don't excommunicate each other for religious reasons or political reasons or cultural reasons. Everyone is welcome to pray in my synagogue, right or left, no matter how much I, as rabbi, may object to your views. Because we do not pray as Democrats or Republicans, but as Jews. Now let us tear our clothes and mourn the dead. Rabbi David Wolpe. There are rabbis and then there are rabbis. There are priests and then there are priests. There's preachers and then there are preachers. They're really good ones you can tell at times like this. Like Wolpe. Like the rabbi at the synagogue in Pittsburgh. And there are good reporters and bad reporters. There's good commentators and bad commentators. And unfortunately, most of the reporters are bad and have been awful. And same with most of the commentators on MSNBC and CNN and some others. I do not think that Schmidt and Matthews, neither of whom are Jewish, understand that when they tell a Jew that he has blood on his hands, when a Jew hater walks into a synagogue and murders 11 people, what a, what a slander that is. You out there, most of whom aren't Jewish, you understand. But these insane ideologues with their talking points who want to see their names in the media, they don't care. They could care less. These are insane ideologues. And they're given a platform and they're given a voice. And when you really think about it, It is the owners of Comcast. It is the executives of NBC and MSNBC who not only tolerate this, but perpetuate it. It is the owners of Time Warner and CNN and the executives of these corporations who perpetuate this even more than tolerate it. They know what's going on on these media platforms that they own. And I've come to conclude that their hosts and their paid contributors reflect the views of the investors and owners of Time Warner and Comcast, the New York Times and the Washington Post. I've come to believe this because otherwise, why would they tolerate it? This isn't freedom of the press, this isn't the press. Not as traditionally understood, not as historically understood. These are hate machines. MSNBC is a hate machine. Chris Matthews, Christopher Hayes, I don't even know the guy. Schmidt and the other these are haters. These are these are vile human beings who say just blurt out these comments for which they are celebrated in some crazy dark corner of our society. 
You look at MSNBC's ratings. They're minuscule. You look at CNN's ratings, they're even smaller. So what are they doing? A smaller and smaller audience. A more radicalized view. They're desperate. They're desperate. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Chris Matthews has tried this before. As you know, he used to be a flack for uh, Tip O'Neill and then a speechwriter for uh, Jimmy Carter, both of whom were illiterate. He's pulled this stuff before. He's a Democrat hack. His wife is a Democrat hack. He comes from a long family of Democrat hacks. Then he writes these books like he's some kind of historian. Right, Mr. Bitters? Didn't his publisher or uh, publicist contact us and ask us to put him on the radio? The guy is a uh, complete media prostitute. And he's dumb as hell. When Gabby Giffords was shot and the federal judge was murdered and that guy was a complete nut. He wasn't uh, motivated by politics at all. He immediately came after Sarah Palin, me, and Michael Savage. Now we have a Jew hater who hates Trump, who slaughters 11 Congregants, Jewish, Jewish uh, uh, temple goers. And he brings on the bigot, Steve Schmidt, in order to give him voice after what he already said. And this is MSNBC. So I have to believe that Comcast wants this. I have to believe NBC supports this. I have to believe Andrew Lack who just fired Megyn Kelly over a, a blackface comment, I have to believe Andrew Lack has no problem with this bigot. No problem with Joy Reid. No problem with uh, Al Sharpton. Or the entire lineup. Or they wouldn't be there. I have to believe Time Warner has no problem with CNN. But I have to believe that over there, Andrew Lack has no problem with Joe and Mika. Here they were this morning. Cut 11, go. The the, the problem here, Mika, is not only is the media arm complicit. So Fox is the media arm of Trump, you see. Despite the fact a Harvard study said that 52% of the Fox stories are negative to Trump and 48% are positive. That is, it is, whether people want to hear this or not, it is the most legitimate news outlet going. 80% negative from CNN. 80%. Go ahead. Yeah. Listen, they are actively engaging yes. in the fear mongering and the lying and the hatred and the racism. This is what we when you talk expect. about the others bringing smallpox to America when it was eradicated, as Willie said, in 1980. You're not right. You're talking about leprosy being brought right. to the United States by a caravan that 
is not going to even exist by the time it gets up to the United States if what happened in April happens this time as well. You, you, you have members of Congress that are spreading this hatred as well. So no, they are far worse than complicit. Their, their, their hands, their fingerprints are all over this lie. They are spreading this racist lie. Think about this. Think about this. If you're a stockholder of a certain media company, the stock that you were Just holding, listen to his inane incoherence. He's so filled with rage. He's so furious that he's a small timer on TV. He's got to keep playing to that social circle. You see, Joe Scarborough is not a racist. Well, how do we know? Because he says so. Well, how do we know? Because he says so. Mika Brzezinski is not a racist. Well, how do we know? She says so. And by calling other people racist, you see... As Shelby Steele has pointed out, written, has discussed frequently. You see, you cleanse yourself. And now you project onto somebody else. How do we know Joe Scarborough is not a racist? How do we know Mika Brzezinski is not a racist? We don't know anything about them. What kind of neighborhood do they live in? What kind of schools do their kids or did their kids go to? How do they treat minorities in their private lives? Are they with minorities in their private lives? We don't have any idea. None. None. Then there's Don Lemon. This man's a real hater. Cut 12, go. I keep trying to point out to people not to demonize any one group or any one ethnicity. Now stop right there. Now typically, when one of these hacks say that, they mean the opposite. I keep trying to point out to people not to demonize any one group or any ethnicity, but... Go ahead. Keep thinking that the biggest terror threat is something else. Some, some, some people who are marching you know, towards the border like it's imminent. And when the last time they did this, a couple hundred people came and they, you know, most of them did. First, first of all, the president didn't create this. Fox News didn't create this. You didn't create this. This has received an enormous amount of publicity from the people who created this. We know there's some leftists south of the border, some leftists north of the border. So we didn't create this. You and I didn't create this. People have announced, and people on their behalf have announced, that they're marching toward the border. Thousands and thousands of illegal aliens, or would-be illegal aliens. That does not concern the left. But regular Americans of all races and backgrounds and creeds, Latino, African American, Asian, Christian, Jewish, Muslim... White, black, brown, yellow, red, albino. It concerns most Americans. We know this for a fact. Not because we're racist. Because it's wrong. Go ahead. Country. Most of them tired, you know, got tuckered out before they even made it to the border. Um, so we have to stop demonizing people. and Nobody's re- demonizing people. We want the rule of law enforced. Nobody's demonizing anybody. Nobody's saying we don't want those people here because of their skin or those people here because they're from this country or that country or the other country. 
I mean, it gets confusing, ladies and gentlemen. I thought we were supposed to hate the Russians, for instance. All Russians. Well, maybe the liberals can give us a list of ethnicities and so forth, who we're supposed to like and who we're not supposed to like. Go ahead. Biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized to the right. White men radicalized to the right. And those of us who believe in individual liberty, the Constitution and the Declaration, and limited government, private property rights, who believe in faith, family, and reject the progressive agenda, we're on the right, you see. We're out there with the neo-Nazis and the Klan, you see. Really despicable. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, the problem in America is white men according to Don Lemon. And apparently CNN and Comcast think that's that's good news. That's that's rational analysis. The problem's white men. I'll be right back. This is the conservative movement's stimulus package. Call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. I really think we need to look at this at a different level now. Who are the puppet masters? Don Lemon doesn't think for himself. Joe Scarborough doesn't think for himself. None of these people do. They're being encouraged to do what they do. They're being encouraged to do what they do. Jeff Zucker runs CNN. But who runs Jeff Zucker? Over at Time Warner. The faceless, nameless suits. The corporate executives. Who enrich Zucker. Who enrich all the editors and producers. And anchors and hosts. Who are the suits? Who are the executives, the faces and the names? Behind MSNBC and NBC. Beyond Andrew Lack, that flunky. Over at Comcast. You people have Comcast cable? Well, you're paying for MSNBC. Who are these people? Why do they want to bring down our president? Why do they want to install... Democrats in the House of Representatives and in the Senate. You got to look behind the curtain like the Wizard of Oz. And who are these people behind the curtain? We spend a lot of time, rightly so, dealing with the mental midgets that are these anchors and hosts and guests and all the rest. They are the mental midgets of Comcast. They are the mental midgets of Time Warner. Who are they? The masterminds. It's not a conspiracy. Look, these are corporations like any other corporation. And they have these employees who are out front. They can see what their employees are doing. Don't tell me they don't have any say in this. Of course they do. They've created these hate machines. And these hate machines are constantly trashing the notion of constitutionalism, private property rights, individualism, and Republicans. 
not to mention this president. So what do they want? They want power. That's what they want. You might think these corporations, well, they should be conservative. Don't they believe in capitalism? No, they don't believe in capitalism. They believe in centralized, concentrated government power. So they have individuals or an individual they can work with to get what they want. That's why. In my humble opinion. So who are the masterminds? Behind the flunkies and the stooges. Have you ever heard of NO? And I'm referring to nitric oxide or NO. It's a gas that your own body makes in the lining of your blood vessels from the time you were a baby. But with each decade, our body produces less nitric oxide on its own. Now, why does that matter? Because nitric oxide is a Nobel Prize winning molecule that signals your blood vessels to relax and dilate. And now Super Beats by Human has harnessed the power of nutrient-enriched beets to create a superfood that helps your body make more nitric oxide on its own. And it's a, it's a pure product. No chemicals. One teaspoon daily. That's all it takes. One teaspoon of Super Beats daily supports your cardiovascular health and blood pressure levels, giving you natural energy without a quick caffeine kick or sugar high. Real, healthy, natural energy. Listen to Steve from Illinois who says the taste is great, as is the increase in energy. Great caffeine substitute without the negative caffeine side effects. I want to encourage you to try this. Call 866-205-4907. 866-205-4907. Or go to superbeats.com slash Levin. Superbeats.com slash L-E-V-I-N. And find out how you can get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats and free shipping with your first purchase. Try it right now. Seriously. While it's in front of mine. 866-205-4907. Or go to superbeats.com slash L-E-V-I-N slash Levin. Try it out right now. And again, I, I wanted to remind you that my beautiful father's book from my wonderful father, Our Police, is out today. So if you're thinking about Christmas or Hanukkah or a gift for a child, or you're just thinking about reading them a very wholesome book about law enforcement and how they protect us and in a different ways they do it. It's not a propaganda book. It's just a good, solid American book because that's what my father was, a good, solid American. And in my view, still is. It's a beautiful book. He did the illustrations. He wrote it. That's what he did. And uh, it's a beautiful book. It's a beautiful part of the volume of books that he wrote. And it's called Our Police. Our Police. Now, one left-wing writer said that they were very upset because there's only one African-American police officer in the book. There's all kinds of police officers in the book. And on the cover is an African-American woman police officer. I mean, what is with these people? But put all that aside. I'd like to encourage you to read it to your children. I'd like 
to take our culture back, law and order and respect for police officers. You look what took place at this synagogue. Look what took place with this pipe bomb guy. It's funny how the left isn't trashing cops right now, but they'll be back to trashing cops. Give them a couple of weeks. Give them a couple of weeks. So I, I think you'll enjoy this book. I know your children will. It's 30% off on Amazon. I think it's a little over 13 bucks. You can order it. They'll ship it right to you. And it's from my dad to your family. He was very excited about this book. He finished writing it about uh, and, and illustrated about seven or eight months ago. We celebrated his 93rd birthday in June. Uh, he got cancer in July and he passed away two weeks ago. Just like that. Uh, let's see here. Let's take a call. Tony, Nashville, Tennessee, on the Mark Levin app. Go right ahead, sir. Group Diana, Mark. What's that? Sorry for your loss. I said oh. Group Diana Met. Sorry for your loss. Thank you, sir. Um, so I had a, a question. Uh, I've been trying to run this down about the case of Wong Kim Ark um, and how, I guess they said he had birthright citizenship with was that somehow related? Was his parents, were his parents here legally? His parents or? were legal residents, Chinese residents, legal residents in the United States. So we're talking about illegal alien children now. Okay, that's what I was trying to boil all this down to, and I was researching yeah. and trying to read, but I couldn't get the backstory on his parents. So yeah, His parents yeah. were here legally. They were legal uh, immigrants. Uh, and uh, he was born in the United States. And look, I don't have a problem with that. I think you can certainly uh, find the 14th Amendment uh, support for that in the 14th Amendment. But even if you do have a problem with it, it doesn't matter. There's a Supreme Court decision. The idea that the president can't reverse what the bureaucracy did in the 1960s without any constitutional statutory authority. He is the executive branch. He's our president. He doesn't have to listen with the, what the Social Security Administration says or this department or that department. He's the boss. And so the idea now that we need a constitutional amendment or a statute and the president can't reverse what the bureaucracy did really by stealth in the 1960s and early 70s is absurd. That's not to say these activist judges won't compel it because they're activist judges. They don't comply with the Constitution. But Paul Ryan has no idea what he's talking about, nor do many of the others who sound like him that say you can't change the Constitution with an executive order. He's not changing the Constitution. He's complying with it. He's complying with the man who drafted the amendment. He's complying with the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. He's complying with the interpretation of that amendment all the way through until the early 1960s. Anyway, I thought thought the nation would want to know. Thank you, Tony. Bill Hayes, Kansas, the great KRMR. Go. Hi, uh, Mark. Good talking to you. I've listened to you and... uh, and on your Levin TV since the very beginning. I think Thank I was you, one of your Bill. First subscribers. Thank anyway, you. Uh, finally, somebody's talking about the 14th Amendment. And the, the baby's born in America from illegal parents. Well, I have thought and known from what I've read and, and studied that that 14th Amendment 
the reason for it was uh, that the slaves earlier were not considered citizens. This is to consider the slaves and their children citizens. Now, That's exactly correct. Why? Why, if they can slip over here from the South and the have former a baby, slaves, and the former slaves, citizen, but the parents are not, doesn't make a lick of sense. Now they're saying, well, what can the president do? They don't have to do anything. Just properly interpret that 14th Amendment. That's right. And uh, I don't have a lot of faith in the courts. Uh, it concerns me. But the president has to do what the president has to do, and he has to do what he thinks is right. And uh, I don't see why we need a constitutional amendment to reverse what the bureaucracy did by stealth in the 1960s. You don't need a constitutional amendment to undergird a constitutional amendment that that means what it says. If you understand the text through the original meaning in the legislative history. All right, Bill. Now, listen, you got a big governor's race there, don't you? Yeah, we do. And I don't think there's a problem. I hope you're right. All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. I said, let's drop caller four, guys, and open up another line. Uh, let's see. Rodolfo, Midland, Texas, XM Satellite. Go right ahead. How are you, Mark? Thank you for taking my call. I you just want it. to speak. Uh, I, I have a lot of friends that are not conservatives, that are not Republicans, or at least they think they're not. They're Hispanics. I myself, I'm of Hispanic heritage. And, it, you know, we've been fed... As Hispanics, we've been fed garbage from the Democrats. And this caravan coming towards our border, it, we, they're, they're, they're finally opening their eyes. They're finally seeing the Democrats, what they're out for. Okay? We don't, we don't need an invasion. And this is what this is. It's an invasion. And the, and, and, and the Hispanics, friends, and, 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 and people that have... You're not allowed to use the word invasion. You're not allowed to use the word illegals. You know, they're changing all of our words. Otherwise, you're a racist, Rodolfo. Like I'm an anti-Semite as a Jew, apparently. They can call me whatever they want. It's an invasion. I'm not a racist. This is my country. This is my homeland. And I'm going to protect it because you know what? I don't know what's going I know. I know where my family came from. We came from Central America. They are not escaping violence. They're not escaping persecution. They're comparing this. To what happened to the Jews in Europe? It's totally wrong. That's they're pretty sick. They're looking. They're looking for the dollarist. That's what they're looking for. So if they can send. I don't, I don't believe the Jews in Europe were trying to leave Germany and other parts of uh, of what the Third Reich uh, was taking over in order to uh, earn a better living. I think they were escaping to try and uh, save their lives as they were targeted. Exactly, and they're comparing. They're comparing. Uh, what's going on in Central America to what ha to what happened in the history of the world with real persecution and 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 and, and, and I mean enslavement of people and stuff like that? That's that's just pure nonsense. They're coming so that they can make dollars and send back home. And, and the Democrats want them because they hope they're liberals. Like they're not really all that worked up about people coming here from Cuba. Have you noticed? No, they don't. They don't get excited. You know, that that's a whole different thing, you know, um, because uh, they come out of a communist regime. They tend to be more conservative and so forth. They don't really care for that kind of a refugee. Mark, Mark, the communists in Nicaragua, this is where my family is, is from. OK, the communists in Nicaragua the past three months, 
They've killed over 500 students. It's awful. 500 people. The Sandinistas. Yes, and you don't see. Wait a minute. Listen, don't you remember when the Democrats embraced them? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, they thought he was cool with his glasses, his sunglasses, uh, coming to America and all. Don't you remember the Speaker of the House, Jim Wright, thought he was cool, and a whole bunch of the left-wing Democrats embraced him. Ortega. Let's not forget what Bill Clinton did to the Haitians. He turned them back and he sent them to Guantanamo, and a lot of them sunk in the bottom of the ocean or they were, or they were eaten by sharks. Did they, mm. did they accuse Bill Clinton of being a racist in the 90s? Of course not. We have a dear friend, really a family member, if you will, who is Haitian. And she despises the Democrats for exactly what you're saying right now. Yes. Yeah. All right, my friend, I appreciate your call. Great call. I'll be right back. Lovin. Levin TV is free tonight to all of you. I'd like you to check it out. It's almost an hour long. I did it before the radio program. Because it's a very, very important show that I did today on Levin TV. So all of you subscribing, even those of you who aren't subscribing, today it's available to all of you, including the media. What a joke. But all you Levinites out there, I'd really like you to take a look at it. It's Levin TV. It's in front of the paywall. You know, the great thing about CRTV, by the way, we have all kinds of unique hosts. They don't have regular shows on cable, regular shows on network, regular shows on satellite. They do their only show, for the most part, on CRTV. Phil Robertson, Eric Bowling, I can't remember everybody. Steve Crowder, my buddy. We got a whole bunch, and they're really, really good. So I hope you'll check us out at CRTV.com. You know, your data is everywhere. Data breaches, Facebook breaches, big companies mining and sharing your information. These are legitimate companies putting you at risk. And now you add in all the crooks and scammers and the risk of ID theft. It's insane. Look, the best thing you can do is protect yourself and your family. It's why I switched from the other guy to my ID care for identity protection. It's why I wanted to make it available to you. Because they're the best in the business with plans starting for less than $10 a month. And only my ID care offers a 100% money back recovery guarantee. They're the only one. You can sign up at myidcare.com slash mark in a promo code mark. That's a mouthful. Myidcare.com slash mark promo code mark. Now, my ID care has taken care of Fortune 500 companies for years, but now their protection is available to people like you and me. And you, my listeners, you also get 15% off at myidcare.com slash mark, promo code mark. Learn more and then let my ID care take care of you. And they will. Myidcare.com slash mark, enter promo code mark. Please check it out. So Levin TV, the entire program this evening starts in about four minutes, is available to you in front of the paywall. Please check it out. Levin TV. We also have a wonderful Facebook site at the Levin TV Facebook. Why don't you join us there? Please uh, consider Our Police. It's available at Amazon.com and every single bookstore. 
Our Police. I know your kids are going to love the book. And uh, check us out tomorrow, if you will. We'll be right back right here. Thank you all, and we salute all you heroes out there. God bless you and thank you. See you tomorrow. 